He was a hero to some, a villain to others, and wherever he rode, people spoke his name in whispers. He had no friends, this Jonah Hex, but he did have two companions. One was death itself, the other, the acrid smell of gut smoke. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the The Pony Express podcast, your source for everything you need to know about Jonah Hex, as well as news and reviews focusing on Western comics in general. I'm Susan Hillwig, author of An Illustrated History of Jonah Hex, and joining me is VP's resident artist and budding filmmaker, Arya Bahari. Hello, everybody. Plus, we have Darren Schroeder, curator of the website, The Jonah Hex Corral. Cure, everyone. And last but not least, Dwayne Henderson of the Hex-centric blog, Matching Dragoons. Howdy. Uh, you may have noticed, our little podcast is ongoing a slight name change since our first episode. In order to increase our listening audience, we were submitting it to various platforms, and iTunes kind of waggled their finger at us a bit when it came to using Jonah Hex's name in the podcast title, so we had to shorten it up a bit. That ain't changed our focus one bit, though. It's still our sworn duty to fill you in on all things Hex past and present. And thanks to the results of a little poll we ran on our Facebook page a while back, we're going to be doing a deep dive in Hex's past for the next few episodes, as we give you the rundown of everything we know about Jonah's life prior to him becoming a bounty hunter. And believe you me, there's quite a bit of material to go over. But before we start spilling all of Jonah's dirty little secrets, let's take a look at the four, that's right, four comics titles that have been springing all sorts of Hex-related surprises on us lately, Plus, we're going to rummage through our VP mailbag. Yes, we have a mailbag to see what y'all have to say about us so far. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, us Hex fans are in for a bit of a treat nowadays. We're getting quite a few instances where Jonah Hex is appearing in some of our DC comics. So first off, we have Avengers of the Super Sons number nine and the first appearance of Robo Hex. If you guys would like to tell us a little bit about that, I haven't yet actually gotten my hands on any of those. Me neither. If you guys know anything. <laughs> I've managed to get a hold of them, and it's definitely some odd stuff. As Ari said, a robotic version of uh, Jonah Hex, we've been dubbing Robo Hex for clarification, uh, first appeared in issue number nine, and I was so confused, I had to go back to the shop and buy issue number eight to figure out what was happening in these comics. It's very, it's very confusing. Basically, for those who aren't aware, Batman and Superman have kids now. Batman has uh, Damian Wayne, our newer Robin, and Superman has Jonathan Kent, who's our newer uh, Superboy, which is going to get a little confusing when we get a little further down into the news, too. I'm not 100% what's going on. Basically, they've been bouncing through the universe with some pint-sized versions of, like, Lex Luthor and the Joker and other villains after them, and at some point they end up on some Old West-themed world that has a robot Jonah Hex on it. Yeah, this it, is it, my best uh, understanding? <laughs> uh, the, the planet is Leon 5, which I thought was a nice name for a Wild West Oh, planet. yes, yes. So, and they do have a couple of aliens in there named uh, Jimmy and Justin, which was a very oh. nice nod. <laughs> oh, yes, I'd mm. forgotten about that. Yes, some bounty hunters that apparently are coming after Robohex that yeah. uh, Damien and John land on and knock out. It's a little so. Easter egg to the creators of the more, well, fairly recent Jonah Hex runs, right? Yes, yeah, Jimmy Palmiata and Justin Gray, which is fair because they did name drops for Fleischer in, in theirs, and they did for John Albano and stuff like that. So it's all come back around. Jimmy and Justin get their nod. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, they suddenly knock out these uh, bounty hunters 
that are after Jonah, along with a Green Lantern Corps rookie trainee type named Alex, who they ran into in the previous issue. Again, I had to go get the previous issue because I jumped in us. I'm like, who is this kid? Why are they talking like half sentences? Like, I know what's going on. But yeah, as soon as they land, they want to get off the planet. So they have like a, unfortunately, a glossing over Western adventures, which I, I really got disappointed by. It goes from one page and then it goes several days and four adventures later. I'm like, you cheated. You cheated. <laughs> that could have been interesting. But yeah, so my understanding is this Jonah Hex was created. I'm not a hundred percent why he was created. I'm not, I'm not too sure if this is like a Westworld style planet where it's supposed to be like some vacation resort because we never see anything like that. It talks about how he used to work on this like intergalactic train system that happens to stop on the planet and then he got enlisted in some huge war because they found out he's really good at killing it goes with the face maybe i don't know <laughs> robo and then he the galaxy express <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> oh well we already changed the name of the thing one let's not change it again okay um, okay <laughs> <laughs> i still like it though side he got Tired of the war, so he retired here, but now they want him to come back, but he doesn't want to. It's kind of odd. It's kind of odd. It's uh, not set in the far future or anything, because when I was reading the previews and things, I kind of thought maybe it tied in with the the guy that actually pulled Jonah Hex into the future and got him into the Hex world. But uh, it doesn't sound like it. No, it doesn't. Although, although I know uh, Dwayne had made a joke saying about that he wanted to see like a uh, property of Boriston industry stamped on him somewhere. It'd be a, yeah, that would be a great Easter egg. But no, no, nothing like that. But yeah, the first yeah, what time this is taking place? I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be now. It's just on another planet. Although for you old Silver Age fans out there, Tommy Tomorrow was mentioned as like the general that Jonah Hex was working under. So like, wait a minute, Tommy Tomorrow is supposed to be like what 22nd century or something like that. So. I don't know. The ground of the the ground of the DC universe is so unlevel these days. I really have a hard time following what's happening in the current books. They don't have a Bob Rosaskus anymore keeping track of the timeline. So on the subject of Bob's, I'd say this is more uh, more of a Bob Haney sort of thing. Bob Haney, if I recall, would pretty <laughs> much ignore what is happening. He's like, I'm just going to write whatever I feel like writing. You guys figure it out later. So that's why it yeah. said that most stuff he wrote is now taking place on Earth Haney. It's like on its own thing. And that's what this feels like. It feels like a Bob Haney, I'm going to do whatever I bloody well please sort of a deal. Yeah, well, and it could also, you know, since it's the Super Sons, it could kind of tie into Bob Haney's Super Sons uh, that he had back in the 70s. There was that too. Yeah, maybe this. Window and whatever they wanted to do, they did. And there nobody aged and everybody aged. And it was it was absolute madness in the 70s. Yeah, but, I mean, that is true. This might be an intentional roundabout Bob Haney tribute of we're doing whatever we feel because it's Super Sons and Bob Haney created them. But yeah, we also I also managed to get a hold of issue 10 and it doesn't expand the story a whole lot more from there. There's a lot of, you know, fighting and things like that. And, you know, our, our Robo Hex is trying to save the kids from our little pint sized Lex Luthor and stuff like that. I just it's really, really hard to follow what's happening in these things. But, but this is, on the upside, one of the better guest appearances of Jonah Hex as far as how he's been written. It, yeah. It's very true to form. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious as to what created this robot. He does not appear to be actual Jonah Hex is now a robot sort of thing. This is a robot that looks like Jonah Hex. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit, it's a bit of a question mark on that one. But this is issue 10, and I believe it's a, yeah, it's a 12-issue maxi series. So hopefully in two more issues, this will be answered. 
even if it's just the ghost of Bob Haney rises up and says, ha ha, I had a little fun with you kids. I don't know. So what else has uh, come down the pipe recently, Aria? Okay, so uh, as mentioned, I think briefly previously, we have the Wonder Woman and Batman Giants, uh, the Walmart exclusive comic books that I think are about to wrap up. We're getting close to it. I think they didn't say how many parts these were, and I think we're up to part 10 on just about all of them. So I'd imagine they're going to be wrapping up soon. That's been a little weird, too. The Wonder Woman giant, um, I think we're up to issue four so far. We've moved off of the island where Wonder Woman met Jonah Hex and uh, Wonder Woman found Steve Trevor and all that good fun stuff. And then they suddenly out of nowhere get kidnapped by aliens! And they get taken to space! (laughs) And... Robo Hex look- meets Jonah Hex from wherever the heck they were. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. If they, if they suddenly collide at some point, this is going to be like, oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, the Wonder Woman stuff, yeah, there's some, fortunately the last couple issues have had very little Jonah Hex. There's one, I think it's issue three, where Jonah is literally sleeping through the entire thing. Right. They've got him in a stasis yeah. tube, and he's just, he's just got his arms crossed chest, and his head's down over his face, and it's like, this is not why I bought this book. I did not buy this to watch Jonah sleep. Although his stock response seems to be in this storyline, shoot first, ask questions later, and get told off by whoever, uh, Wonder Woman or whoever. Why did you shoot? That was a really bad thing to do. Instinct. The one thing thing in issue four that I appreciated, they do spring Jonah and Steve Trevor and the others out of the stasis tubes to take them prisoner. And uh, one of the big aliens looks at Jonah and says, what happened to your face? To which Jonah replies, long story, <laughs> as opposed to all the flippant answers and uh, that we got several years ago. No toothpick slipped or chigger bite or anything like that. So, Well, if we're still going off, because again, the previously uh, mentioned Jimmy Palmiotti and his uh, wife, Amanda Connor, writing these ones. This does seem to be taking place after All-Star Western number 34 where his face was good and his face got bad. So yeah, if you go, if you go from regular guy to messed up to, I got fixed to got messed up again. Yes. This story has gotten much, much longer than it used to be. <laughs> That's true. I never even thought about the, uh, the second reason it's scarred. So yeah, it's uh yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I would like to see some clarification of that before we get to the end too. But yes, as, uh, as Dwayne said in Wonder Woman number four, yeah, Jonah's awake again, but yeah, it doesn't get a whole lot of action. Just a, a few lines. Yeah, this is part nine. So presuming that these Walmart things are 12 parts as well, we still got three more to go. So at some point we have to get Jonah out of space and back home and maybe run into Tallulah because we don't know what happened with Tallulah yet. I don't know. These are, unfortunately, due to the fact that these are Wonder Woman's books and not Jonah's books, he keeps taking a back seat. So wasn't he on that island? I can't remember exactly. I don't. I think I only got, like, my hand on, like, one of these books. But wasn't he on the island looking for Tallulah? Or did he just appear there? They were on the boat. I recall what Jonah said. They were on the boat. Big storm whipped up, wrecked the boat. They all got washed. So they all got washed out. And Jonah landed up in the island. He presumes that Tallulah is there. But we have not exactly... Professor Anne, Marianne. Yeah, we haven't seen hide nor hair of Tallulah yet. It's just Jonah's feeling that she's there because apparently she's a better swimmer than he is, I believe he said. As we all recall, Jonah doesn't like water anyway, so, you know. Yeah, so we have not seen Tallulah. We're just presuming she's going to turn up at some point. I don't know. Everything, this is just humongous question mark over everything. After All Star Western number 34, where basically his entire future got changed, you know, he may not become stuffed and mounted. It's like, everything's up in the air. We have no idea. We may never see Tallulah again. I don't know. 
settle it eventually. <laughs> You'd hope. Well, we still don't know how he got back from Hex time to Western time. So there's no reason. Yeah, not efficient unless we go with the Superboy Prime Punch uh, yeah. theory. So or a little, uh, or a little, <coughs> a little <coughs> thing. I um, uh, how many years ago was that? Now um, <laughs> plug. Uh, so yeah, the other. Some things just stay mysterious. Yeah, it's like whether or not DC feels like filling in the blank there, basically. And then the well, other they included one included him in this much, you know. Yeah, the fact, yeah, I the fact assume that, for a reason, bringing him back to the public eye, whether or not people are actually aware of him being a character in the first place. Yeah, that's the whole bizarre thing about right now, is within the last few, the last few months, and we've had four different books touching on Jonah Hex, that only two of them peripherally tie in with each other. We'll get to that in a, in a moment. And it's just like, why, why all these writers all of a sudden going, I'm going to put Jonah Hex in there. For Jimmy, we know. That's history for him. Yeah, why did Peter Tomasi decide to do a robot Jonah Hex for Super Sons? Who knows? And then we come back around to the other Walmart giant, which is the Batman giant, which is Brian Michael Bendis. And that was that's got some fun recently, too. I believe when we last left off, Batman and Green Lantern had gotten zapped back to the 1800s and ran into Jonah Hex right at the uh, end of the book. And so Batman number nine opens you know, with Hal Jordan literally looking up at Jonah Hex and saying, please don't kill us, <laughs> which in that leads to a bunch of its own little oddballs. As uh, those of you who uh, tune in our face our Facebook page, uh, Jonah Hex via Pony Express, there's a bit of a flub in the beginning of this. Batman calls Jonah Hex Colonel Hex. For those keeping score, Jonah never went above lieutenant. So uh, still not 100% if this was a flub on his Bendis' part or if more history has been changed that we weren't informed of yet. I did find a way to work around this in case this was an actual actual flub. I had actually sent it in a bleeding cool and they, and they published it that apparently the term colonel, it's a term of respect sometimes used down south. So it's like maybe Batman was just being respectful calling Jonah Colonel Hex instead of Lieutenant Hex. I don't know. Yeah, I, but, I, yeah. more to... Uh... Uh, alternate universe. Mm. It could be that too. Yeah, everything's completely shifting again. It's like the again, the ground of DC is very uneven. And those of you that have been reading Doomsday Clock probably know what the heck I'm talking about regarding you know things keep shifting over and over and over again. Whether this actually relates to Jonah Hex, I don't know. I just figured I'd toss that out there. Yeah, issue nine on the Batman story was uh, fairly good. I mean, there were some problems with the art i've never seen a horse that's nine feet tall yeah the proportions uh, on these they're like clydesdales yeah and they had some problems with the word balloons pointing to the wrong person i did enjoy the fact that whenever they went flying via green lantern's ring that jonah ended up tossing these cookies a few times which makes me think this is pre disappearance into the future hex maybe because if you recall in the all-star western stuff when jonah was in modern times and they went to metropolis and superman also went flying with jonah hex exact same problem happened when they landed tossed his cookies so don't know that might be coincidental bendis might have been doing a callback i don't know i sometimes wonder reading bendis's stuff especially between this and the young justice and other things is like if anyone really edits bendis because, uh, again, the Colonel Hex thing and some other stuff. I wonder if he's just kind of left to his own devices on uh, some of these things. But, yeah, overall, overall, yeah, number nine was some pretty solid stuff. And then in issue issue 10, we get even, you know, even more. We get a nice not, knockdown, drag-out fight, Batman and Jonah Hex versus ninjas. <laughs> and Vandal Savage. Well, Vandal Savage is basically just standing back and pointing and ordering and 
that's I'm another, so that's evil, another, That's another thing. Right when we open up uh, Batman Giant number 10 and we have Batman and Jonah Hex confronting Vandal Savage and, Sav- and uh, Hex right off has basically says to Va- Savage, you and I have unfinished business. And again, going back to All-Star Western, I believe it was number 18 was the last time where Jonah Hex and Vandal Savage actually had a tussle. Well, you know, so that, like, came to mind, that came to my mind as well, but I went back and reread Nine, and uh, Jonah mentions running into Vandal Savage in issue Nine whenever he was in the town. So I was kind of thinking that this was a self-contained unfinished business and not throwing back to uh, All-Star Western. Unfortunately, again, if you just get these damn vagary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and if you really want to reach back, if you want to go back with the Batman <laughs> stuff, there's also... Um, the, that Batman Return of Bruce Wayne stuff that had one issue with Jonah Hex in it, and Jonah was working for Vandal Savage then. Probably one of the worst Jonah Hex guest appearances I've ever read. It, yeah, it's... Uh, we'll get to that one eventually, but yeah. <laughs> I don't have nice things to say about that one. <laughs> Also known as the Jonah Hex sits around and does nothing book, right up there with Swamp Thing appearances and stuff. So, well, yeah, it's not just that; it's the art on that. There's Jonah Hex. I'll I'll be blunt in that Return of Bruce Wayne. There's a panel where Jonah Hex looks like a chimp, a chimp in a Confederate uniform, and it just <laughs> bothers me. And it's there. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't Marvel do uh, a series where everybody was uh, simians of some sort? Well, yeah, DC does that. Does that too? If, it, if there's a gorilla on the cover, it's gonna sell, yeah. you know. Everybody turns into a gorilla, but so. Well, on to under happier things, a little more cheerier things. That would be our next, our next bit, our other bit of uh, Bendis, which is the Young Justice stuff, which does tie into the uh, Batman Giant stuff because that's where Jenny Hex first started. So at least in that respect, that stuff ties together. We just don't know how yet. And again, back well, basically with all of this about how we have all these bits of things going on, but they don't really have a full complete picture yet and it's the same thing with this young justice stuff unfortunately yeah because they keeps, this, yeah they end up in gem world but not as the one from like the old uh mishkin con series back in uh the 80s where it first started i think this is more related to maybe the new 52 stuff which i didn't read so i can't comment but even in the, within the book they're saying about how their reality keeps shifting something about if uh, i think something about the dark op- opal's power every time he uses it it's kind of cracking gem world or something so things are getting weird but yeah they yeah. keep promising that we're going to get more info about Ginny hex and her connection to jonah hex and what's in this trunk that was left to her but they keep they keep pushing it forward i'm thinking now it's going to be next issue which would be issue six we have issue four and five sitting over here that maybe we'll finally start getting answers but i don't know because they said in issue five we were going to get answers and we got nothing we we did get a peek into the trunk in issue four though and um well yeah and some poor saps got a peek into the trunk and uh, pretty much got ripped apart by a bunch of tentacles, looks like. So, yeah, it was almost an Ark of the Covenant situation. Don't look in the box. <laughs> yeah, or a, a Pulp Fiction uh, suitcase type thing. So we happy? Oh, yeah, we happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's just a, yeah, this big question mark about that, too. Although when she is, uh, when Ginny is on, I am liking her. She's she's fun. She gets some good lines. She seems to be working working well with the rest of the group. It's just this again this big question of why do we keep why does it feel if like we keep spinning our wheels in all these stories we don't really seem to be getting anywhere. 
Well, I, I think sadly that's kind of the state of comic books nowadays is they drag stories out a little bit too long or they're, they're, they're trying to throw too many plot lines. They're in just trying to, to get the most of, you know, the money they could possibly get at this point. I don't think they're really trying to please fans. You know, they're just like poking at us like, hey, you want to see a little bit of Jonah Hex? Can you spend your money on Jonah Hex? You know, <laughs> he's kind of in this issue, but he's asleep, you know. Yeah, he's got a granddaughter, but she says one thing. I, was like, I think I think Ari I just like, nailed it on the head, yeah. I mean, I not not like to hit on the industry because I love comic books, I love Jonah Hex, but it's like, come on, guys. I mean, yeah. we're we're here for we're here for this, but I mean, you're you're kind of you know little moochers now. Yeah, yeah. Even look at the stories overall. Just you know, putting aside the Jonah Hex stuff, it's like some of these stories they just aren't making sense to me. I mean, I've been picking up Young Justice from issue one, and it's like there's lots of so much stuff that's happening off panel, and like things you know they're moving to a different venue, and it's like, how did we get from here to there? How did yeah. this happen? They're just, you know, they're showing one panel and that's it. Or they're having it all take place off panel and then that's it. It's like, this isn't how comics are supposed to work. But whenever you're having yeah. to check the issue number to make sure you actually are reading the next issue rather than two or three down the line, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I was mentioning this a while back to up at, up at my, lo- my local shop. Hi, Danny. And I was saying about my, my confusion with some of these books and everything like that and Danny just goes, maybe these just, maybe they're just hacks. You know, <laughs> maybe these guys really don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and I couldn't say no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're part of DC. We, we, we know Jonah Hex, but do you really? We know what we're doing. Every, everything you know is wrong. <laughs> Come back in five issues and we'll explain it. No. But do you well, do you think it's all spun out of the TV? His uh, guest spots on TV is something that's put him in front of the writers, going, "Oh yeah, well." Because I've seen some reports that say, "Oh, the his guest appearances have gone down well with all the fans." I mean, I'm always like, "Well, how many fans are there, and how did they do a survey to decide that?" But mm-hmm. if enough of this writing staff is watching that and going, "Oh." he could guest appearance so I, I might use him in my story yeah there's always been this you know not just with the fans but with the pros they've always seemed to have liked jonah hex you know when i when i bring him up at cons everyone's kind of, I, their eyes kind of light up like yeah you know they like him from a visual standpoint they like him from a character standpoint it just seems to be i don't i don't know i don't i don't know why we can't seem to keep a uh, keep a book up or why they think or why dc thinks that jonah can't keep a book up I'm not certain, but it is nice to see him out there, even when it's, you know, something this confusing as this. Mm. At least they're trying. I mean, there are so many characters that haven't appeared in any issue for years and years. So it's almost like, you know, be happy with what you get, unfortunately. I mean, it could be an age thing, because I've noticed uh, another comic character I follow, Marvel's Man-Thing, and Mm. he... he suddenly had a run of guest appearing in a whole lot of series and being joining teams like the Thunderbolts and not really following his usual characterization, but they obviously liked him and decided to use him. And same thing with Jonah Hex, sort of goes, characters sort of go through quiet periods and then all of a sudden everybody wants to use them. Yeah, and I, yeah, I've seen some of that man thing. I know he's like, uh, I think when they did the Howling Commandos thing, which is all supposed to be monsters. <laughs> not not creature commandos, mm. Howling Commandos. <laughs> and yeah, I remember the man thing was in that too. And then my husband picked up a uh, miniseries from a few years ago. We found it, back issue thing of just man thing. And that was, uh, it was done by R.L. Stein. Oh. And, oh. 
Yeah, that was kind of the reaction I had to it. We're just going to stop right there with that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into some happier stuff. We got, as uh, mentioned at earlier, we have a mailbag. Well, not an actual mailbag. It's a virtual mailbag. If you want to send us a note on uh, Facebook, we'll glad, gladly listen and see what you got to say. Or you can also drop us a line at jonahexviaponyexpress at gmail.com. You know, if you got a suggestion, if you got a question or anything like that. But we've had a couple things recently here. Aria, you want to read off what we've uh, gotten so late lately from the uh, mailbag? Yeah. Mason Hauserman suggested on Facebook that we cover the adventures of Jonah that he had outside of the U.S., such as uh, China and Brazil. Yeah, he's he's he, yeah, he has had a bit of fun outside the U.S. Not a, not a whole lot. Most of his adventures outside the U.S. is like Mexico. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are two uh, standouts. The Brazil one that was two issues, and that actually led to the title of uh, Dwayne's blog because that's where he got his matching dragoons from. <laughs> and the China one was about six issues, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah. With the tail end of which we cover in one of the issues today, with them yes. trying to get back to uh, the United States. Yes, yes, it, yeah, we are going to mention that today. Uh, matter of fact, you know, maybe so I think we've uh, I think we've kind of discussed everything we can here with the new, with the news and reviews and such like that. Perhaps we should move on to our main topic, but first we need a little word from our sponsor. Oh boy, Ma, you made stew again. It's great. Homemade stew is the best, and it's so easy with the recipes in this new cookbook, Ginny's Raccoons Galore. Here are over 60 wonderful recipes highlighting tasty raccoon delights, like Italian wishbone raccoon, raccoon with sauerkraut, apple baked raccoon, raccoon tartare, Roy's surprise, and for dessert, raccoon macaroon or bandit banana bars there's page after page of party ideas to showcase your raccoon creations and there are even ideas for canning and storing your favorite raccoon delights to get yours send a self-addressed stamped envelope and 25 dollars to Ginny's raccoons galore cookbook in care of via pony express So what we're doing, we're looking at the early boyhood of Jonah. So Mm -hmm. anything that we found or know of where it sort of references. So they're usually, most of them are flashbacks, aren't they? Yeah, and and actually compared to most most comic book uh, folks, there is a ton of stuff actually for uh, Jonah's boyhood. Um, This isn't like with Batman. You hardly ever see anything before Batman before his parents get killed. So it's like, you know, it's like he almost doesn't exist before age eight, Batman, you know, or Bruce, Bruce Wayne. But like Jonah, we actually we have a ton of stuff. And matter of fact, picking up here, All Star Western number uh, zero, that actually has the literal birth of Jonah Hex in it. The only the only representation of him as an infant. Again, for his uh, baby, too. Huh? He's a cute baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, talk about being born on a night of violence. Yes, yes, definitely. It's like, yeah, from, you know, from his very first breaths, it's like there's death and gun smoke surrounding Jonah Hex. No, before you get any weird ideas, baby Jonah didn't kill anybody. His dad did. Thanks to um, Michael Fleischer uh, via Jonah Hex by one number 51, we know exactly when (laughs) Jonah Hex was born even. November 1st, 1838 is Jonah Hex's birthday. And when Palmiotti and Gray did this scene in All-Star Western number zero, they kept up with it. It actually starts with November 1st, a child is born. They, they kept up the uh, birthday. That also means Jonah Hex is one of the few comp, comp characters with a birthday. 
that happens to be Michael Fleischer's birthday as well. And it was Michael Fleischer's birthday. It was more likely why he picked it, I would imagine, because mm-hmm. he'd always said that he felt Jonah Hex was him. He felt very, very close to the character. So I imagine that was his one way of uh, making that connection. They have the same birthday. Yeah, Jonah was born on a dark, rainy night in November when a, a posse of some sort came a Colin. Looking to uh, do away with Mormons. For those who don't know, back back in the day, back in the 19th century, yeah, the Mormon faith was... This is how they ended up in Utah. Basically, they kept getting driven further and further west, getting driven out of towns, massacred. This is actually something that's going to come up in another issue, Jonah Hexa, which we'll get to in a few episodes regarding Jonah's past. But yeah, apparently his uh, parents at this time were living on a small farm in Missouri, and this posse showed up looking for Mormons, and they thought that the Hex family was harboring some of them, and Woodson goes to town on them with an axe. He just He's hacking the heck out of these guys and eventually shoots some of them. And this, Even though he's committing a bit of a grisly murder, compared to anywhere else he turns up, he's kind of heroic in that presentation. Like, he's not drunk. And he seems to be taking the side of the downtrodden against these people. It was quite interesting to see, was he a good man that went bad through other things? Yeah, it's for those of us that have seen, you know, Woodson over the years, nine times out of ten, he's portrayed as a drunk, bit of a womanizer, beating his wife, beating his kids and everything. And this is, yeah, this is an absolutely different portrayal of Woodson Hexen we've pretty much seen in almost any other book. And we didn't get this till 2012. But yeah, he seems to be more of an, definitely more of an upright citizen doing what he feels to be the right thing. And it's never fully answered if they are harboring Mormons. I mean, it could be that uh, Woodson and or his wife may have been of the Mormon faith. It's never said. Well, there but is he, one in there that uh, Woodson mentions that this posse has uh, killed a bunch of old men and even crushed an infant under a horse. So it seems like uh, <clears throat> you don't mess with the hexes if you're going to be killing innocent people. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, what, uh, how Woodson got from this to what we know of later on, it's not 100% clear yet. Well, but yeah, the, la- the last line we have in here of this, uh, of this particular flashback is uh, the midwife has come out of the house with a you know, little, little baby Jonah wrapped up in a bundle saying about, you know, Miss, you know Mr. Hex, it's a boy. And he's, and he's looking down at these guys that he's basically massacred and one's, you know, begging for mercy. And he's, Woodson looks down and he's like, you hear that? I got me a son. Going to name him Jonah. I reckon I'll teach him everything I know about people like you. And then presumably then shoots him off panel. It's like, ooh, nasty. And these are the sort of genes that Jonah Hex comes from. (laughs) And I guess at that point, his name, which Hex, a curse, and a Jonah, which has a negative connotation as well, which I only re-cottoned on to the fact that really he's got a very bad auspicious name yeah i think uh it might have been in the uh interview they did with fleischer in the comics journal all those years ago with, with they have darren has it uh posted up on the jonah hex corral i believe he even mentions in there about the name saying about you know when you put together jonah hex when you break down what it means it kind of means like you know basically says he's unlucky when you go by the, the connotation of the biblical mm. jonah and what uh hex means so it's like yeah it's kind of burned into the character right there that he does, you know, right from the get-go. This is not going to be somebody that's born under a good sign. Is he trying to do like a boy named Sue kind of thing and toughen up <laughs> his lad with a terrible name? Or? 
Has he just got a funny sense of humor? I do not know. It says it's it said later on in one of the other uh, issues. Which one is it? This is uh, for Volume Two stuff. Yeah, Jonah Hex Volume Two, Number Fourteen. Which again we'll get into a little bit later. Where he, you know, he says about that he didn't want kids. And yeah, and I think he said he yeah he, he named him Jonah specifically, like almost like to teach him a lesson. I'm trying to remember specifically what he said regarding the name. It says specifically regarding Jonah being named Jonah. It says, you know, the Bible tells us about Jonah and the whale. I named you after him on account of me not wanting children in the first place. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, really, real loving father he is. But, you know, if you want to go uh, a different take on the name Jonah Hex, uh, you know, the biblical Jonah was a prophet that was supposed to travel to Nineveh and warm, warn them of God's impending wrath. You know, so the term Jonah, not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily paint Jonah in a bad light that his life is going to suck. Just that Jonah is almost like delivering judgment upon people, which he does several times throughout the years in the books. Yeah, and he's almost like a harbinger of it. If he comes, you know something bad is coming. You've done wrong. Yeah, and you never want to run into a hex. You never want to have a hex cast upon you. You know, having someone named Jonah Hex on your tail is not a good sign either. So I think it's kind of a double-edged sword with that name. It it's, uh, kind of represents his life, and then he turns around and dishes it out to everybody as well. So it, it may be a self-fulfilling prophecy on his name. And going a little further into uh, All-Star Western number zero, Woodson is now getting more into the drunk that we're used to, just obviously slovenly just knocking back whiskey right in front of his family saying about i've done all i can basically everything that's happened is not his fault the animals got sick the crops don't grow basically making excuses for why apparently things are definitely going downhill with the family and he's getting drunk he has no problem with beating and damn near choking his wife out to which uh jonah how about how old you'd say he is here maybe about seven or so who has definitely learned some lessons from his pa because he pulls a gun on his dad and basically threatens threatens like you know basically if you don't leave my ma alone i'm gonna shoot you so he's he's learned his he's learning his lessons well of course woodson then turns back on him and uh clouts him in the ear takes the gun away and is takes him out to the woodshed and starts beating him but he's all jonah's also still respectful of his dad trying to like you know come on if you just stop it'll be better he doesn't want to shoot his dad and he's not mm-hmm. He's just, what well, you know, Dad, behave normally and it'll all be good and, you know, please don't. That is true. He's not immediately shooting him as he would do much later. Again, going back to uh, Jonah Hex, Volume 2, Number 14, where we have a uh, similar incident in what would be for Jonah his present day, seeing a kid trying to pull his dad out of, out of the bar. And it's like, come on, Dad, please, just come home. And the guy turns on him and starts beating the kid and saying about you. Know, I believe he even says, you know, like, you're not even my child anyways, blah, bashing him around. And Jonah, I don't even think without warning, just boom, shoots the guy. The exact opposite of what he's doing here as a little kid is like, nope, I see where this is going to go. I'm stopping it now. Boom, turns to the kid and says, you're welcome. But yeah, back back here, when he's about, again, maybe about seven or so, there's still this notion of mercy, honor thy father and mother. Don't just shoot your dad in the back. Give him a chance to apologize. <laughs> Well, this may have been the first time Jonah pulled a gun on his dad, too. It's, that it's is the first true. One I think we have record of. Yeah, first time, but not the last time, because there's also a similar incident in Secret Origins number 21, which you guys has quite a few flashbacks mm. in here. In this case, this is supposed to be round about Jonah's 10th birthday, but then again, most flashbacks seem to take place when he's around 10, as uh, Dwayne can attest to. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I found one when he was 11. I, I started. Yeah. To... Uh. There's one. There's one. <laughs> Someone decided to stake a claim on new ground. Yeah. 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 Fleischer decided to move everything just one year ahead. Just, just one here. Just give a little variety. But yeah, in this case, uh, while Pa is still drunk, he actually gives Jonah a rifle for his birthday. And once again, later on that night, we have Woodson and his wife Ginny going at it. At this point, he's actually Woodson actually breaks a bottle and is going to carve up his wife's face. So that way, uh, the other guys aren't so attracted to her. And this time, Jonah comes out carrying the rifle that his own father gave him. He never gets a chance to even point it at him, though. All he does is, you know, you know all he does is go out with it, and he already gets beaten to the ground. Yeah, you have two instances of Jonah deciding, trying to talk his dad down, but realizing I need a weapon at hand at the same time, because Lord knows how this is going to go. Yes, unfortunately, that is a lot. Nine times out of ten, when we see a flashback to Jonah's childhood, he's getting beaten. He's getting beaten by his dad or by other kids. It's a constant. It never stops for him it's like you almost wonder it's like did he ever really have any good moments when he was a kid or was it like this is this is my this is my life I'm, this is, this mm. happens to me every day someone is clobbering me upside the head somehow he's he's not a bully is he he's not even in being dealt with all these sort of things right up to when he's out just like left the army and sort of drifting around even then he's not a bully he doesn't sort of resort to violence easily or for his own sort of ends no it actually yeah it actually takes quite a while before he's uh kind of taking the initiative with that sort of thing it's almost like yeah when he's a kid it's almost like he's take he's taking his lumps and i mean there's a lot of times where it doesn't even appear to really be fighting back you know be it against his be against his father or against other kids it seems it seems rather rare there's something again going back to the comics journal interview with fleischer he says that for jonah to do what he does he must have a, lo- a very low self-opinion of self, very very little self-worth, and that could that could be a lot of it. A lot of it here too. He's like he doesn't feel like he's worthy of you know standing up straight and keeping his head up and you know saying no, you're not going to do this anymore. Again, going going back to uh, the All-Star Western number zero when he's staying you know he's staying with his dad and he's got the gun up and then after a couple of panels it kind of comes down and he's got this sheepish look on his face like maybe i shouldn't be doing this maybe i shouldn't be standing up and you know telling dad no huh. right. self-doubt well, I, I think a lot of the abuse we see too is um retelling of possibly the same instance over and over um the seeker origins 21 has the rifle and it gets broken and then we see that again in a flashback uh originally in Jonah Hex one number sixty three. Yeah, where he's having, he's uh, kind of lost in a fever. Yeah, and he's uh, thinking back on his uh, again dad beating his mom. And you're right, he did have the rifle there as well. And these these stories are spanned. I mean, the presentation of these stories are decades apart. But you know, for folks like us that just sit down and read them all the way through, it seems like the same thing over and over. It's almost like binge watching a TV show. It was very traumatic sitting and reading all of these in uh, like a couple of evenings. And it's like, oh, no, uh, poor Jonah. Here it goes again. Uh. <laughs> but, but, yeah, uh, I, I actually just I just grabbed, yeah, the, the, the volume number number 63. And, yeah, aside from the fact that he was out like hunting rabbit or whatever before he got back to the house. Yeah, it's a, almost exactly the same. 
you know, threatening his dad with the gun, but not necessarily holding on him. Woodson taking a bottle and threatening to carve up Ginny. Yeah. It could, yeah, it could be a recollection of the other incident. And it just, again, because in uh, number 63, he's being, he's suffering from a fever. He's in delirium. It's like, yeah, his brain might have just twisted it around. So, yeah, we might just be uh, seeing the same incident over and over and over again. But it's it's obviously uh, made quite an impact on him if he keeps reliving it. But, uh, and with the um, the low self-esteem, I mean, in, uh, in All-Star Western Zero, after that um, incident, the next remembrance or the next issue is uh, his mother leaving, leaving him and his father behind. Right, with uh, yeah, Dex will be the salesman. So. Yeah, it's a very abbreviated version of it. The long, the longer version being in uh, Jonah Hex Volume One, Number Fifty Seven. That's where we first find mm-hmm. out that why Ginny, why Ginny left, or how she left, I should say. We know the why. Yeah, it's never been a set a hundred percent whether she was sleeping around. It always seems to be. It's always implied that she may have been seeking comfort in other men. Considering our husband is, it's plausible. Going over to another issue here. Yeah, 42, when the kids uh, called Jonah's mom a slut or uh, a tramp or something like that, fight with them. And, you know, it could even be that, you know, you have a small town, somebody is a known mean drunk, uh, people's tongues are going to wag, whether Ginny was out and about or not. Folks are going to say something, even in an innocuous meeting or going over to a, another family's house for help could be twisted by the gossips in town. Yeah. Even more than that, backing up just a little bit in that uh, story before we get to the town, before the kids calling his mom a whore and all that, this, uh, something else isn't introduced when Palmiotti and Gray started, when they took over the title. Before this, when it was under Fleischer, when we talked, or we saw Woodson beating Jonah, it seemed to be almost random. You know, Jonah stepped a little bit out of line, whammo, here you go. Didn't do, didn't do something fast enough. Again, got got beaten. Didn't listen. Bang. Here, though, when Palmiani and Gray get a hold, they start to put a little bit of reason behind it. Basically, he doesn't want his son to be soft. Right. He's afraid. Yeah, he's afraid that Ginny's turning him, you know, making him soft. So he has to keep disciplining him. And in this case, it was making him reach for a reach, little Jonah reach for a gun. And as uh, Jonah reached out his hand, bang, here comes Woodson with a switch and smacks him on the back of the hand, basically saying you have... Basically, the idea being, you have to get that gun before I can hit you. You have yeah. to get faster. Yeah. Right. Doing it from one hand to the next. Later on, tying rocks to his arms and making him stand out in the yard all night, his arms extended out with the rocks hanging on him, again, to build up strength. So that way, you'll be strong. You can take whatever everybody throws at you. You're not going to be weak. You're not going to be soft. And during that part where he's got with the rocks hanging off him, he starts talking about Jonah's grandfather, who is not named specifically. It just says it's his grandfather, but saying about your grandfather had genuine grit back in the day. About the only nice thing I can say about the bastard. Some say he was possessed by the devil himself. Day departed this life. I went to town and tied one on. Met your mother that day. So again, there's this idea that this meanness, this anger, this flashing out the world, it's like it runs in the family. It's from his grandfather to his father to Jonah himself. But what struck me was the idea that after his, after Woodson's father died, after Jonah's grandfather died, Woodson goes to town and, as he says, ties one on. And he says that's the day he met Jonah's mother. We don't say how he met Jonah's mother. So it makes me wonder if maybe 
her profession was perhaps working in a saloon, taking care of customers, if you get my meaning. And maybe he and maybe he kind of took her away from that, maybe because, again, we saw how Woodson was on the day Jonah was born. Woodson was obviously tough, but he looked good. He was not drunk. He wasn't slovenly. He seemed to be a fairly upstanding member of society almost. Here you have Ginny, who may not be in a good way. And that's one thing she says about when we see her many, many years later when she's not doing well and Jonah finds her as an adult. And she says about how some guy was just nice to her and said how pretty she was. Right. So it makes you wonder if that's how those two got together. He was Woodson came into the bar. He was nice to her. And it was nice enough that she fell in love with him, not knowing that he would one day eventually turn into this very mean drunk that would beat her. Well, and if you look at Dazzleby, he shows up in... 57 and starts talking sweet things and showing her nice dresses and stuff they kind of spend some time smooching with jonah supposedly sleeping in the next room as a young boy and then packing up and she's taken off so yeah it doesn't seem to take much and it seems like she's always trying to be rescued from something even worse so it's kind of from the frying pan into the fire at times yeah it's like he just dazzled me in uh, Jonah Hex 57, he may just come along at just the right time. It was said earlier in the issue that Woodson was going out to make some deliveries, some of his moonshine. That was a profession he took up later later on in life, making moonshine, selling it to the Indians and others. So she knew he was going to be gone for a few days. And here comes this guy around that seems very, very, very nice and sweet and willing to take her away from it. So you take initiative. You take, you take the opportunity and you go and you tell your little son, I'll be back for you later. Unfortunately. Yeah. He, he, and later never happens. Dazzleby was sweet, but he didn't want uh, someone else's boy. Which, of course, leads to a whole other thing later on. Mm. We think we got one or two instances else before Jenny leaves the picture. Oh, yes, there was another number 63. That was Jonah Hex Volume 2, number 60, uh, 63. Another instance where this is, again, before Whitson appears to fall completely into drunkenness and disapproval with the rest of, this, rest of town and all that. Uh, apparently, a, a friend of uh, Jung Jonas has gone missing, and uh, a posse is rounded up, and they uh, come a knocking on Woodson's door for him to join them, and asking if he's uh, seen anybody. And they do manage to find a suspect, and uh, Jonah very much uh, identifies him. Like, yep, that's that's the man I saw. Who was in, last time I saw my friend? He was with he was with this guy, and Woodson takes part in a bit of vengeance. Well, after he finds out mm-hmm. exactly what happened to the boy, which you know is strategically whispered, leaving it up to our imagination. And just the picture of Woodson standing there, just see his eyes highlighted and the word Mm. balloon, a few dashes, you know, he's completely speechless at the horrors that's been inflicted on this innocent kid. And that just kind of unleashes Woodson to go along with the rest of the group. Yeah. The idea that despite his feelings towards his son, this could have happened to Jonah, you know, it was that close. Yeah. As uh, uh, Dwayne had uh, mentioned before we started recording that, you know, things like this definitely leads to uh, Jonah's own attitude toward children and the innocent when he gets older, seeing, again, the way his dad reacted to this, that, in, you know, innocence must be protected. Despite how his dad treated him, despite how his dad treated his mother, there's still a line that right. can't be crossed. Well, and also when Jonah, I feel when Jonah is protecting innocent children, he's also trying to protect himself. Uh, back when he yeah. was a kid, and this is maybe a way to make amends to the world for him not standing up to his dad or not being able to. I'm going to do for you what no one did for me. Again, that goes uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Jonah Hex Volume 2, number 14, where he shoots the guy in the uh, saloon because he's like, I see where this is going to go. 
Right. I know exactly where it's going to go, and I'm going to stop it right here. So, but on a happier note, we do have a holiday meal. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was just, I would just actually just grab that issue off the pile here. One of those yeah. ones where it starts out so happy, and then it takes such a nasty turn. Yeah, but, yeah the, the uh, Superstar Holiday Special, which uh, I always think it's fun to see Jonah Hex in the holiday specials because, you know, people are picking the book up for, you know, one of the characters on the cover, almost always Batman or Superman's on there, and then they throw other folks in as well. Yeah, in this one, there's a family that uh, a little girl's going to get her pet deer killed because the family has nothing to eat in winter. Jonah promises him Christmas dinner and then does a flashback to years ago when uh, he rescues a raccoon from a bear trap. I don't think the raccoon would have a paw left after it getting caught in a bear trap, but that's just Yeah, this, the picture here of the uh, bear trap, it's almost bigger than the raccoon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, it's it's wrapped up. Maybe he doesn't have a paw anymore. Maybe it's just a little stump. You know, maybe he, he, he names the raccoon Roy. Maybe he should have called him Stumpy. We don't know. <laughs> because something happens later, so we never really get to see the raccoon in one piece anymore. Uh, <laughs> mm. Yeah, Woodson was going out into the woods to get them some supper. Um, this is also recalled in Hex number 18, the the uh, the, fu- the future Hex stuff. Mm. There's a bit of a flashback to it, in which case, in that case, it established it not to be Christmas, but Thanksgiving when this happens. But apparently it was lean times during that winter, and Woodson didn't find any critters to shoot, so he took little Roy Raccoon, who was out in the woodshed, and Roy became supper. Nice yeah. Piece. You killed Roy. You killed my <laughs> raccoon. I hate you. I hate you. I wish you were dead. <laughs> Whammo. Yeah. I ain't dead, boy. I ain't deaf, neither. Wham. Right across the face. Well, my, my favorite panel is when Ginny goes, for Roy, dear? Who's Roy? She has no idea. And Woodson's going, uh, Roy's the little raccoon that Jonah brought back from the forest this morning. It's like, you mean the one where, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> that is just... <laughs> oh, and, and in the holiday special, it does not say that it's Christmas dinner, so it could still oh. be Thanksgiving. It's yeah. a holiday special, so there we go. Yeah, you don't know, other than being wintertime, yeah, there's no specific on when this is taking place. You just assume mm-hmm. cause it's in Christmas special. Or actually, yeah, you're right, it does say holiday special, so... Yeah, well, let's see. Jonah's... Jonah, adult Jonah, is hunting the day before Christmas, and the flashback doesn't really say. No, I think it just the uh, gives, the, gives the year. And, uh, but Jonah was 10 oh, years old. It doesn't give it a word. Just, yeah, it just says 10 years old. So you have to presume mm. that it's 1848 then or something. And it's certainly snowing. And for those that are worried, don't worry. The little girl's deer doesn't get eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so, shoo. <laughs> <laughs> but all he bought them was grits or something. Was it hard yeah, tack and beef jerky? Yeah, right. yeah. I've had hard tack. Hard tack is not a suitable Christmas dinner. <laughs> it's mm. not. But yeah, it's better than having to eat your pet deer. For those of you that don't have the Superstar Holiday Special, I will warn you if you go looking for this, it does get pricey because technically this also contains Frank Miller's first Batman story. Wanted Santa Claus dead or alive. Dun, dun, dun. But yeah, I remember when I first found out about this, it took me so long to find an issue that cost under $10. It was definitely pricey. I think mine was 20 New Zealand dollars whenever I bought it. So that's more than you usually paid for old comics. 
Mine was yeah. a buck. You got lucky. Pulled it off the rack. No. <laughs> <laughs> the nice. perks being old, yes. I wasn't buying them yet, Lucky Duck. <laughs> After Duck. that, rolling on to Jonah Hex, Volume 1, Number 51. Yes, which uh, is also uh, rehashed a bit in that uh, Hex Number 18. Uh, this one is, again, 1848. Does mention, yeah, Jonah says, I only just turned 10. So this is going to be November, December. They're at a fair, and his dad enlists him into uh, boy fighting. You mm-hmm. pay 25 cents, you last three rounds, and you win 10 bucks, which is a pretty good return on investment. Mm. Of course, under the uh, idea that Woodson's been toughing up his boy, of course he can, you know, fight this kid who's, what, like 15 or something, after I recall. <laughs> the ages go 7 to 17, so I'm going to be fighting a 17-year-old no matter what. Uh, rereading this one, it made me realize just how important Jonah Hex Volume 1, Number 1, and then Volume 2, Number 1 were. Because in both of those stories, Jonah ends up having to save a boy or find a boy that's been kidnapped by boy fighters. Oh and, my god! I never made that connection before! You're right! Yeah. He's literally been through this before! You're right! I always thought what he did to the guys in uh, Volume 1, making them fight on the edge of a cliff, was you know incredibly harsh. And then Volume 2, he feeds one guy to the dogs. Yeah. Looking through this lens, it's like, man, Jonah is just having vengeance. He's he's avenging his own childhood here. It's, yeah, it's been brewing in him for decades. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, definitely doesn't help that at the end when he loses, and of course his dad lost twenty five whole cents. So he mm. starts smacking him around, saying, "You're a coward." All this is before he just turned. This is all by the time he turns age ten. This is all within the first 10 years of his life, all this stuff. You know, having to eat a, eat his own pet raccoon and the boy fighting and getting smacked around and his mom leaves and getting beaten down by every kid because they say his mom's a whore. And then his, da- his dad's discipline slash tough, toughening up. It's actually, it's a wonder he made it to puberty. I'll, let's mm. be honest. Well, and I just did the inflation calculator. Uh, Ten dollars in eighteen forty-eight is like three hundred and twenty-five bucks today. So, jeez, yeah. oh. there was some money on the line there. Yeah, you pay you pay eight bucks, you win three twenty-three. I mean, there's a lot of people that do lottery based on less than that. So, oh yeah, we got one more instance. It's it's very small though. It's Jonah Hex No Way Back, which also again rehashes Jonah's mom leaving. Again, it's more of uh, Woodson toughening up Jonah, in this case, making him stand in a river, holding up a rock, while Woodson literally takes pot shots at him with a gun. In this case, it's also, I believe he was, thought, Woodson thought that Jonah had lost one of his favorite knives, some pocket knife with a deer horn handle. And so this is like A, discipline, B, punishment for something. It turned out Jonah didn't even do. The guy simply just misplaced the knife as his wife later runs up and says, what this guy had to go through as a child is just, it's insane. And yeah, like you were saying before about, yeah, you read this all at once and it gets so depressing. People get the idea that he had a pretty rotten childhood. So his mother escaped as soon as she could, I guess. Well, there um, were a few times she tried to be protective of him. I mean, she did draw down on Woodson, but it was nothing that would ever last. She couldn't stand up against him and realized she basically saved her skin and i think honestly she wanted to come back for jonah but it wasn't in the cards with dazzleby i like to try to think the best of jenny she certainly i mean she was driven to act 
I mean, she had to do yeah. something. Unfortunately for Jonah, he got left behind. But uh, yeah, with everything, uh, what we learned later on with uh, No Way Back and all, I mean, you know, she sounded like she turned to alcoholism not too long after she had Joshua, Jonah's half brother. So yeah, who know? Who know? I don't think it was ever specified how much of an age difference there is between Jonah and Joshua. So we don't. Least, we have to imagine at least ten years, of course. At least but, ten years. Well, that's it. What I'm saying is that 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 part's a given, you know. So it's like, you know, is it, you know, when, basically when when did uh, Ginny become pregnant with Joshua after leaving? You know, was it a year later? Was it two years? Was it five years? You know, who knows? There yep. was the issue where his dad throws him in the outhouse. That's uh, volume two, number fourteen. Yeah, you know. that's by the time he's about age thirteen. Yeah, it's like. It's just one thing after another after another. Yeah, before we get up to that, though, we have one more, one more incident. This actually, I don't want to say it's a happy incident, but I dare say it's, it's definitely an incident where uh, Jonah starts, he starts, I think, to start realizing that he has self-worth. Yeah, Jonah Hex, Volume 1, Number 27. The wooden six-gun here. And he's 11. Mm. Yes, this is the one where he's 11, yeah. But this, unlike some of the other ones where we're not certain because his mom isn't mentioned, this one is definitely after his mom is gone. So it's been at least a year of just Woodson and Jonah. And now we don't have any restraint either. We don't have his mom standing up and saying, you know, Woodson, stop it, leave him alone. It's, you know, un- unadulterated, you know, it's it's free for all. I'm beating up little Jonah. Yeah, and Jonah is the one that's in charge of running the house. Everything mm-hmm. that he used to do has fallen upon Jonah so while Woodson goes out and takes care of the moonshining. And matter of fact, yeah, that's what he's doing right now. He's going out again to uh, make another delivery. He's giving Jonah a list saying about, you know, do this, do this, do this. Don't, you know, don't, no fooling around. And Jonah at some point uh, has uh, carved himself a little toy pistol out of, wo- out of wood, just this little rough little thing. And while Actually, he's out playing. Woodson, hmm? Woodson whittled it for him. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it, it's mentioned because the bandit that shows up asks if he carved it himself, and he says, no, my pa whittled it for me. Yeah, that, that kind of caught me off guard, too. It didn't seem like Woodson would be the one to basically give a gift or a toy or something that didn't seem mm-hmm. worth anything. But if he was trying to teach Jonah how to be a quick draw and have strong arms, he does want him to be carrying a gun or something like it and get used to pulling it and having it. Mm. That's correct. And after what happened with the rifle, maybe he didn't trust him with actually having reach of a real gun. You know, we've had two, again, two instances of Jonah pulling a gun on him. Like, okay, okay, okay. You're getting, you're getting dummy guns until Mm -hmm. I can trust you. But yeah, an outlaw shows up outside the house looking for uh, help. And uh, Jonah does uh, help him, even though he knows on sight. It's like, yeah, you're, you know, you're Bart Mallory. You're the famous stagecoach robber, he says. Well, and Bart Mallory does give Jonah 10 bucks. So gives him about $350. Oh, my God, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like any kid's going to wig out. It's like, you give me, like, you know, some Benjamins here. We're talking, so. I'll do anything you say, sir. (laughs) I will lead the cops astray. Absolutely. (laughs) Which he then does, because, yeah, the sheriff comes knocking on the door, and he's like, nope, nope, haven't seen anything. And after that, Bart Mallory kind of lends it, let, uh, lets him into his confidence and talks about how he's going to rob uh, the bank in town and everything. It's like, so now we have, you know, not only has Bart Mallory given him equivalent of a few hundred dollars, he's letting him in on it. He's like, I'm going to, you know, basically this adult is talking to talking to young Jonah as if they're on the same level. They're equals. I'm going to I'm going to make you my partner. We're going to do this together. And I imagine that's, again, considering everything that's happened to Jonah up to this point, up to the time he's age 11, all the beatings and put downs and everything. It's like, wait a minute, we're equals? We're, right. You're going to trust me? 
And suddenly, so yeah, suddenly he's getting a little bit of a confidence boost. Top of that, whenever uh, Mallory goes in to rob the bank, he actually gives Jonah a real pistol. Yes, yes, I was just about just about to give it. It's like, you know, full grown man ain't don't carry no wooden six gun. He says, and yeah, hands yeah hands him a pistol of uh, Smith and Wesson. It says, and Jonah's acting as lookout as Bart Mallory goes in. Unfortunately, folks got tipped off, and Bart Mallory is cut down. And even as he's uh. Bart Mallory's dying, he still does Jonah a favor, he says, you know, because the uh, law was assuming that Jonah was an accomplice because he's sitting out there and he's being lookout. And they're like, no, 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 he's innocent. I kidnapped him. He doesn't have anything to do with this before he dies. Blah. So they let him go home with the gun because <laughs> they I, don't know he has it on him. <laughs> and, of course, Jonah takes it home and hides it very quickly before. Well, it looks like his dad was already home, but mm-hmm. he manages to hide it before his dad can find it. Tuck it under we, the floorboards. We go back to the beatings, and Jonah starts practicing his quick draw in his room at night. Yeah, it's like suddenly he's got, here's the confidence coming. He's Again, he's, le- he's 11 years old, maybe. Now we have, I think, probably the major seed of this is the Jonah Hex we know. This is the Jonah Hex mm-hmm. who is realizing the power of a gun. Realizing what it's like, you know, have actually people look at you and treat you as an equal, treat you with uh, respect. Yeah, and this flashback was framed by Jonah stumbling upon a runway and ended up taking the boy back to his family. The interesting thing I thought was at the end, we've got Jonah telling the family not to be angry. And he says, ain't a boy been born what didn't try to grow up just a little faster than nature intended. And Mm. the last panel is just Jonah riding off in the rain. I think it's interesting, Jonah's line about kids trying to grow up faster than nature intended, where the opposite happened to Hex. He was beaten all through his childhood, and he had to grow up faster. Not that he mm-hmm. wanted to, but it was forced yeah. upon him. Yeah, he wouldn't have survived otherwise. All right, we're going to have to stop here on Jonah's timeline just to keep this episode from going too long. Sorry to leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger, folks, but I promise we'll pick up right where we left off in our next episode of Via Pony Express. Hope you enjoyed what you heard today, and if you'd be so kind as help us spread the word about our little podcast, we'd greatly appreciate it. Hi, you can join our posse at facebook.com slash via Pony Express, where you'll find all the latest news and weekly offerings, plus leave comments and participate in polls about Jonah Hex. You can also drop us a line at jonahhexviaponyexpress at gmail.com. Make sure to check out Dwayne's Matching Dragoons blog, which can be found at jonahhex.blogspot.com. Keep up with me, Aria, by following at ariakidden on Twitter and at embergeist on Tumblr. Spell it, I guess, how it sounds, at least for the second one. Spelling my name's a bit of a hassle. If you are curious, A-R-R-E-A-H. Also, be sure to keep up with the latest installments of Susan's An Illustrated History of Jonah Hex, which are available on susanhillwig.blogspot.com. To check out Darren's Jonah Hex Corral, go to lonely.geek.nz hex. The theme music used in this episode is Driving to the Delta by Lobo Local off their 2018 album Arkham. Thanks to actor Jonathan Sheck for his cameo recording of the Jonah Hex tagline. All the characters mentioned in this podcast are copyright and their respective companies and creators. On behalf of all of us here at Jonah Hex via Pony Express, thanks for listening and we'll see y'all out on the trail.
Hey mom, can I get some more of that raccoon? It's awesome.